How's everybody doing today? Let's put those paws together and thank that worship team. Can we do that? They have a lot of Skittles. I mean skills. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, we're so blessed that they're here each and every week and do such a great job leading us in worship. And I uh, hope you're feeling good uh, today. I certainly want to thank you for being here. We have been open for over seven months. And um, it's, it's, it's really strange. I meet people all the time that go, when are you going to reopen? I, we've been open for seven months. Like, like, where have you been? And uh, of course, they ask me this at uh, Starbucks or at the grocery store or whatever. Uh, so they're going to other places. And I, I just believe that there is no place that's better for your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, your sanity than to be in church. I just think this is the place to be. We do, uh, just so you know, we clean, after every service, we clean everything, and then this building sits empty for a whole week. There's not a single soul in here. Uh, it's the cleanest place in town, but I wanna thank you uh, for being here today. I want you to take your Bibles and open them up to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23, and inside your bulletin, there are some sermon notes and I'm preaching today on a subject called In the Valley, In the Valley. Now, I wanna show you uh, just a little schedule of where we are and where we're going for the next four weeks. So if you'll look at this screen for just a moment. Today, March 13th, 14th, we're gonna study Psalm chapter 23, verse four. Lord willing, next weekend, we'll look at verse five. The following weekend is the weekend before Easter. And, and we had planned, um, I'll just tell you, tell you, we had planned on doing verse six on the weekend before Easter and wrapping up this series. However, uh, most of you know that every year our church uh, conducts what's called the largest uh, passion play in Los Angeles. We've, we've been doing this for 20 plus years. And last year, because of the pandemic, we shut it down. We, we did not have it. And this first time in years and decades, we hadn't, we hadn't had the Passion Play. This year, they, they, they came to me and they said, hey, we'd like to do the Passion Play, but we're still like, we just don't know if we should be doing these things. And so we kind of came up with a compromise, something that I've always wanted to do. Of course, the Passion Play is where we have, it's like a Broadway it's better than Broadway. It's, it's like a Broadway musical that depicts the last week of Jesus's life here on this earth. And it's usually like a two hour show. And so what they're gonna do this year, and they want to do it, uh, is they're gonna condense it down to like one hour. And it'll, it'll be mostly the music, some acting, not a lot, but some acting and a lot of stuff on video, but they're gonna condense that thing down to one hour and um, I've given them permission because I want to do this myself. So we're gonna, instead of like preaching a sermon on that weekend, you're gonna come to church and you're just gonna watch the Passion Play the weekend before Easter. So make sure you're on time or you're gonna miss the first half of it. Because uh, we're gonna start right at, you know, Saturday night at six and Sunday morning at nine o'clock and and then 11 o'clock, we'll start right on time. Now, 
on Easter weekend, what I'm going to do is, the, Lord willing, is then I will wrap up this series and we'll, we're going to make verse six. We're going to talk about verse six and tie that into the resurrection story, which it fits and you'll, you'll, I, I, you'll be blown away when you see how verse six ties into the resurrection uh, and this whole Psalm chapter 23 uh, and the word of God is just so, it's so powerful. So then on Easter weekend, we'll have services on, we're gonna add some services for Friday. We'll have services on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So that's the schedule, and I hope you're excited about that. Take your Bibles again. Turn to Psalm chapter 23. Now, a couple of years ago, my wife and I, we started having grandchildren. It's the greatest thing ever. How many grandparents do we have out here? Raise your hand. Oh, isn't it the greatest? It's the greatest job in the world. And I was at Hobby Lobby, which is the greatest store of all time, and I saw this sign in Hobby Lobby. It's the rules of a grandpa, his job, to-do list. Number one, he's got to pick up the grandkids. Number two, his job is to spoil them. Job number three, give them lots of sugar. And number four, send them back home. Oh, that's a... That's the best job ever, amen? Well, you know, grandparents, you have to have, uh, you, you come up with your own name, what you want your grandkids to call you. So my name, my, gran, my, my grandpa name is Papa Coach. Papa Coach, let me hear you say that. That's me, okay, because I'm gonna coach my grandkids, I'm gonna train them, you know, all that stuff I do as my other kids. So, so my wife, now I don't know where she came up with this name, okay? She's here on the front row, you can ask her. But she got it in her head, she wanted to be called Nanny Goat. <laughs> Nanny Goat. And she hadn't really thought through that because they call her the goat. And she doesn't really like being called the goat. However, you know how kids are, we have two, we have two boys, or grandsons, but we have more on the way. Oh yeah, anyway. That's a whole other story. But they, they end up calling her Go-Go. That's her nickname, Go-Go. And she's down here. You can call her Go-Go. She'll turn and say, yeah, whatever you want. So, uh, but she might be the greatest grandparent of all time. But the word goat stands for greatest of all what? Time. And in our series here in Psalm chapter 23, we believe, or looking at this, that Psalm chapter 23 might be the greatest chapter of all time. Now, we know the Word of God is all equally great, amen? But there, there's something about Psalm chapter 23. And I don't know if you've ever realized the scope and the influence that this psalm has had throughout the years. This psalm is sweet to a little child, but it's also perplexing to the scholars. This psalm has been quoted at both funerals and weddings. This psalm is read in nursery schools, but it's also read on the battlefield before soldiers go off to war. It is an amazing chapter, and today, in our study, week by week, verse by verse, we come to verse four. And verse four reads, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are what? You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they do what? 
they comfort me. So again, it's amazing to me how something that was written 3,000 years ago can be so relevant to what's going on in our world, in our lives here today. There are many angles, but I wanna walk you through several noteworthy considerations. Number one in your notes, I hope you write this down. We all walk through that valley. There's not a single person in this room that's not gonna walk through that valley. One of the greatest fears that we all have in life is the fear of dying. And I've discovered that people fall into one of two camps. One camp are people who that's all they do is they think about the day they're gonna die. And the other camp are those who, who never think about it, who choose to stay busy so they somehow are going to ignore the inevitable, but it is inevitable. I grew up in the great state of Kansas and uh, my dad was a pastor there and we had, you know, we had all kinds of church families that had that lived out in the country and had horses and from time to time we got to go to their house. And I remember as a little boy growing up that from time to time I got to ride a horse. Now they were always scary. If you're a little boy and you walk up to a, a, a horse, it's like you've never been around anything that large, that powerful. And one day I had what's called, what I call a near death experience. I got on this horse and at first it was, kind of, it was okay and all of a sudden a horse started bucking and it actually threw me off and that, that was not the problem. The problem is when I got bucked off that my foot stayed in the, in the stirrup and my head was hitting on the ground as that horse was running around and, and uh, right before, I, I, right, I thought I was gonna die and right before I lost consciousness, I was so, so thankful the Kmart manager came over and unplugged the machine. <laughs> and here I am. How come you're not laughing at that lady? It's okay. How many of you know of someone who's stubborn? Raise your hand if you know someone who's just, I hope you're not sitting next to them. I want you to write this down. Do you know that death, death is a stubborn fact. You can ignore it all you want, you can deny it all you want, you can fight it all you want, but Hebrews 9 verse 27 tells us it is appointed unto man once to die. Every single person, look around this room, every single person in this room has an appointment. You have an appointment with a thing called death. And just because you shove that thought into your subconsciousness does not alleviate the reality that we're all gonna die. Death is a stubborn fact, write this down. Death is an unpredictable fact. God has a thousand ways, a thousand ways to take us from this life into the next. You know what James 4.4 says. James 4.4 tells us that life is but a mist. You're here for a few seconds and then the Bible uses this word, you just vanish. You know this last year that uh, our church, that we did all kinds of funerals, in fact, you should know that that's basically 
One of the things, that's like all the things we ever do is we just do, we do funerals. I mean, we care for the dying. And last year, we did a few, and I mean few, uh, death, people who died of COVID. I mean like a handful. And we do funerals every week. Every week we do funerals here at this church. And it wasn't COVID, they died of heart attacks, people died of cancer. Uh, we had a guy in a staff, I showed you his picture, he died uh, on a bicycle about a block from his house. I think he went down to the store to get a Slurpee and on the way home he, he fell and hit his head and died. We had a, our friend, uh, he's a, he's, he was like our handyman, his name's Bill, and he, he climbed up on a ladder and he's been doing that his whole life and his wife came out and said, you shouldn't be on a ladder. And he looked down to her and said, I'm okay. And she went inside the house and uh, she just had a bad feeling. Went outside and he was laying on the ground dead. And they don't know if he fell off the ladder, if he had a stroke and then fell. But I mean, people die in, in drowning accidents, car accidents. Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter accident. I mean, I know everybody's worried about COVID, but I'm telling you, there's a thousand ways. And the Bible says that you're here, you're here one second and the next second you're gone. So death is a stubborn fact. It's an unpredictable fact. Write this down, it's a personal fact. Amen. Ecclesiastes tells us that death is coming for you. It's coming for you. Now, that's why, I hope you're listening, the most important thing in your life should be your faith. Your faith. That's what you need to be worried about, concerned about. Spend time uh, managing. You know, uh, we chase all these other things that start with the letter F. We chase food and friends and fame and fortune and fashion and fitness and friendships and things that make us feel good. And what you should be pursuing is growing your faith. The psalmist tells us that, we, that all of us are gonna walk through this valley. Number two, write this down. Now this is good information. You need to know that the valley is only temporary. The valley is always temporary. The psalmist said, if you pay attention to what he writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it has been said that every one of us in this room, right now, this very second on your watch, this room is full of people that are either just now walking into the valley or you're actually in the valley, or you're walking out of the valley, but we're all walking through it. Scholars will tell us that the valley of the shadow of death is actually a literal place over in Israel. That over there between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea, there's a spring that flows out of the Mount of Olives. And that spring for centuries has, has flowed down to uh, the Dead Sea, and it has created a chasm that is on some places has walls that are like 1,500 feet deep, and it's very narrow down at the base, and there's always shadows in there except at 12 o'clock noon. 12 o'clock noon is the only time there's no shadows, but the rest of the day, there's always shadows in that valley. Now, David 
who wrote this is a shepherd by trade. That's what he does. David knows the terrain and he knows that you have to take the sheep from time to time through that valley of the shadow of death during the different seasons in Israel in order for the sheep to survive. Because you have winter time, you have summer time, you have lowlands and highlands, and sometimes the sheep have to go from the lowlands to the highlands, and sometimes from the highlands to the lowlands, and the only way you can move the sheep through those areas is to go through the valley of the shadow of death and the sheep have to go through there in order for their survival so the valley is only temporary now the sheep don't recognize that it's temporary but the shepherd knows that it's temporary and that's why he takes them through there David the shepherd knows that the valley's not a dead end the valley is not a cul-de-sac the valley is basically a low point between two mountains. And he writes, Yo, not, not, yea, though I walk down into the valley or over the valley or near the valley or around the valley, he says, no, even though I walk right through the valley, I will fear no evil. There's no panic. There's no fear. There's no fretting. There's nobody who's scared. Notice they're not running. They're just walking through the valley of shadow of death. And there's always someone who's fearful who says, well, I hope, I hope one day out yonder, if I ever have a tough time and if I ever have to go through that valley, I sure do hope God is with me. I got news for you. Number three, write this down. You're actually in the valley of the shadow of death this very moment. You're there right now. You say, no. Yes. I can prove it to you. I can prove that right now you're in the valley of the shadow of death. This very, you're sitting in it right here, right now. How many of you know in your mind and I just want you to know, and just think about this, how many of you know that this very moment, even in church, that you could just drop over dead right here, right now, before this service is over, before we have a chance to sing an invitation for you to come and give your life to Jesus, how many of you know, how many of you know that this could, and that's the key word, could, how many of you know that this could be, it could be your last day on this earth. Raise your hand if you, if you actually realize that this could be your last day. Now look around, raise your hand. Look around and look at all the people who are acknowledging. And I'm telling you, I want you to write this down. You enter the valley of the shadow of death on the day you're born. And you leave this valley on the day you die. And right now you're walking, breathing, listening, sitting, writing, paying attention, right now in the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I came to give you some good news. How many of you want some good news? Here's the good news, write this down. There's no need to fear. There's absolutely no need to fear. And I have point A and point B, and they're both critical for you to understand this psalm. 
And the first point here is this is if you are a Christian. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no reason to fear. Now, if you're not a believer, and you're just someone brought you to church and you're not a Christian, you have all kinds of reasons to be fearful. But if you are a believer, you're saved. You have no reason to be fear. In fact, the valley of death for a believer, a believer, it's not a valley of death. It's only a shadow of the valley of death for a believer. For a, for a non-believer, for a, for a non it is the valley of death. But for a believer, it's not the valley of death. It's only a shadow of the valley of death. And here's point B. This is the good stuff. A shadow can never hurt you. I don't care how dark, how deep, how frightful, how dangerous a shadow may be. A shadow can never hurt you. If you're, if you're a Christian, right? I, some of you know this, but about seven, eight years ago, I, I got into cycling, riding a road bike. And uh, it, 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 I used to play a lot of basketball. My knees gave out. I can hardly, I can hardly walk. My knees are, I just, it's just hard for me to walk. In fact, it's hard for me to even lay down on a bed. My knees hurt so bad. But somehow I get on a bicycle, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt my knees, and First day I got on and I just got addicted to it. Of course, we ride here in Los Angeles. It's like one of the most dangerous things you can do. You have a little bike lane about this wide and there's all kinds of glass and there's bolts and, and nails and people throw tacks. We went through a bunch of tacks the other day. And we all had flat tires. We have to come out into the main lane from time to time. And the reason it's dangerous is because of all of you. And people throw stuff at us, they yell at us, they flip us off. And, and we're like, you know, when someone's walking, a pedestrian is walking across the street, you, you can't run them over. You, they have the right of way. And the same thing with the cyclists. Just so you know, this is a public announcement. Uh, <laughs> cyclists don't have to stay in that bike lane. They have the right to come out and ride in that lane. And you, by law, have to give them at least three feet. And we have people all the time that come by and just almost try to run us over. And, uh, you know, I, I see these people, they have, they're in their car by themselves and have a mask on. <laughs> and at the same time, they're texting on their phone. They're gonna kill me. And stay with me on this, on this story, but a lot of times early in the morning, we get up and ride first thing in the morning. And uh, whenever we're going towards the west, uh, the sun rises in the east. And because it's a southerly sun, 
that as I'm, as I'm riding west, and you know, we're going, we're going as fast as we can, sometimes 18, 19, 20 miles an hour on a flat road, there's cars that are coming by me like 50, 60 miles an hour. It's very frightening. But because sometimes, if, it depends on what time of the day it is, if I'm going straight west and that car's going west as well, the sun's rising over here, as that car comes by, that sun hits that car and casts a shadow over into the bike lane. And as I'm riding, I can hear the car coming. I'm praying it doesn't hit me. And all of a sudden, I see the shadow, and the shadow just goes right through me. Another car, another shadow. Another car, another shadow. I'm just being run over by shadows. And I want you to know, I don't, I, the shadow doesn't hurt me. The shadow doesn't scare me. What scares me is that 2,000-pound vehicle driven with someone texting. But the shadow is a reminder that I am one accident away from death. And ladies and gentlemen, as a child of God, you never need to worry about the shadow. Now, we're just passing through this life. John 11, verse 25, look at these words. He who believes in me will live even though he what? Even though he dies. And look at verse 26. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You either believe that or you don't believe that. We see somebody die and we think, oh, that's the end. No, it's not the end. That person is not, if he's a believer, he's more alive than he's ever been. And so, <laughs> cancer is a shadow. COVID is a shadow. Your heart stops ticking and you fall over dead right now, that's a shadow. Tomorrow's Monday, March 15th. Tomorrow, March 15th, is the one-year anniversary of when my father, my hero in life, passed from this life into the next. And my heart breaks whenever I think of my dad and how much I miss him. Not a single day goes by, not a single day goes by that I don't wish I could see him, that I could hear him, that I could call him, and it hurts. But in no time in the 10 years that I saw him suffer physically and with him when he passed, conducting his funeral and feeling all this pain over the last 12 months, not one time, not one time was I ever fearful because I know that my dad is with the Good Shepherd. I know, and Jesus 
Jesus led my dad through the valley of the shadow of death. My dad has crossed over the river Jordan. He's in the presence of God. I will see him again. He is alive and well. And yet, right now, right now, this very moment, I am in the valley of the shadow of death. And one day I will pass from this life into the next. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, O God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Which leads me to my last point. Write this down. That the comfort of the Lord's presence and protection allows us to breathe during the smothering moments of life. Because we live in a day and an age where life seems to be smothering us. Like, we're just like being beat down by the world, amen? And I just want you to know that you can breathe. That that's what Jesus allows you to do is in the midst of all this chaos in our world, the craziness, that his rod and his staff, God, they comfort me according to verse four. We mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago. When the shepherd is near, there's no need to fear. And the shepherd has two tools. He's got two. One is called a rod. Now, these are shepherds over in Israel. And the best way I can explain a rod to you is picture a baseball bat. It's just a wooden stick or maybe a golf club. You ever seen someone walking and they got a golf club? What are they doing with that? golf club while they're walking. They're not golfing. Why you got a golf club when you're walking? Well, in case someone comes up, they, you're going to attack them, right? Well, that's why Shepard had this, this rod. He could, hit, he could hit a lion. He could kill a lion. He could kill a bear with that rod. He used it for a lot of things, but he also had a shepherd's hook, a staff. I actually have one here up here on the stage. You, if you were paying attention, you'd have seen it. No, but uh, uh, what does a shepherd... What does the shepherd do with this? He's got a rod in one hand, he's got a staff in another, all right? He's got all these sheep. Well, he uses this hook, you see that hook? And if you look, it's about the perfect size. If there was a little lamb who'd gone off a ledge, he could take that, that hook and he could wrap it around that little lamb's chest and pull him up into safety. That thing is also about the perfect size for a full-grown sheep, someone like you. He could reach that, you started to go astray, he could get that around you and just pull you back where you're supposed to be. Or if there was a big thicket bush full of thorns and a lamb, you know, they're made of wool, and a lamb fell in that thorn bush, and you don't want to reach in there with your arm, you'd take your, your, your hook there and you'd put that in there and get that around that sheep and pull that lamb out of that thorn bush. And so the shepherd, he had, he had this rod and he had this hook. And anytime the lambs or the sheep saw the shepherd, the presence of the shepherd with the rod and the staff, it brought him comfort. He knew that there was no reason for him to ever be afraid, amen? Now, I, I want, I've got three little quick points I wanna make. Here's the first one. God's got a lot of sheep. He's never lost a single one. 
Not a single sheep has he ever lost. Now, if I put you in charge, you might lose a couple. But God's never lost a single sheep. Think about that. Some of you are sitting out here, you're worried, although, well, I don't know, I don't know if God's gonna really take care of me. Oh, listen, God has never lost a single sheep. I don't know, but I'm really going through a tough time. I don't know if God can handle me. Oh, oh, oh. Listen, God, your problems are nothing to God. And what that means is if you know the shepherd and if the shepherd knows you, you have nothing to fear. You can relax, you can be calm, you can be still, you can chill, you can stop worrying, stop fretting. Isaiah 43 verse one says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by your name and you are mine. Verse two reads, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Verse three says, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Letter B, write this down. You are actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're better off being down in the valley where things look bad, you're better off being down there with the shepherd than you are up on the mountaintop without the shepherd. Some of you, you just wanna get up on the mountaintop. You don't wanna go through the valley. You just wanna get over to the green grass. And God's trying to take you someplace that's actually better for you and you gotta go through some tough times. If you lived up on the mountaintop, you wouldn't even need God. I know that for a fact. You'd get up on the mountaintop where everything's rosy-dozy. You would, you'd have no need for God. So in, in our minds, we kind of, we want to live up on the mountaintop because, no, I'm going to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. You're better off being down in that valley with the shepherd than you are up on that mountaintop without the shepherd. There was a man over in Baghdad who came to his master he said, Master, I need your help. The master said, what's wrong? To the servant. The servant says, I was down at the marketplace and I saw a sinister figure and I, I looked him straight in the face and it was, it was death himself. And the servant says to the master, Master, please give me your finest Arabian horse so I can flee over the river to the next town called Samara. Let me get away from death. I need to get to Samara. And the master said, fine, go down to the stables, get the finest horse you can and flee from death. Go to Samara. And then the master decided he himself wanted to go down to the marketplace to see if he could see this sinister figure. And the master goes down to the marketplace and sure enough, there was this sinister man and he walked over and he tapped him on the shoulder and they looked eyeball to eyeball and the master said, I need to ask you a question. Are you death? And death said, yes, I am. He said, can I ask you a follow-up question? He said, yes. He said, I, I, wanna, I wanna ask you why 
did you frighten my servant today here in the marketplace? And death said, oh, I didn't mean to. He goes, I was actually surprised to see him here today. He, your servant actually startled me. I, I was not expecting him to see him here in the marketplace, for you see, I have an appointment with your servant in Samara this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I say this to you again. Death is a stubborn fact. It's an unpredictable fact. It is a personal fact. And I want you to write this down as I close this sermon. If you walk with God through this life, God will walk with you through death. Walk with God through this life and he will walk with you into the next life, amen? Let's all stand for just a moment. We're gonna have a prayer, thank you boss. Over here to my left are some doors. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, we invite you to come and walk through those doors if you need to be baptized. We've been baptizing people every service and we have some counselors over there. And if you're here today and you just have a prayer request or you're scared or frightened of things, come. We have some counselors over there. If you're watching online, just text Jesus to the number on the screen. And uh, we do this because of technology and people are watching literally from all over the world. And if you text us, we will contact you. Someone from our church will contact you. But uh, let's uh, pray in, in just a moment and we'll be dismissed after, after we pray. How many of you glad you came to church? You're glad you came to church? Okay. Next week, next week, verse five, then the Passion Play, and then Easter, okay? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for today, and, and uh, my mind just went to a friend of mine who had a 14-year-old girl who committed suicide And I think of the several children that I know that have walked through that door and the devastation that it brings and how broken our nation, our homes, our families, our neighborhoods, how divided we are. I think about how sinful this nation is, the hatred and the bitterness all the murders that take place, the abortions that take place. I think of all the injustices that are taking place. I, I just, all the vitriol, it's just like everywhere you turn, it's just like we're just being hammered over and over again. And how critical, how critical this verse is that even though we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I mean, we're still here, we haven't died yet, but we will one day. The shadow tells us that, that one day we will. And Lord, the most critical thing is that people develop their faith, that they're in church and learning and listening. And God, then as you, as you change our lives, we're able to go out into this world and, and make a difference in other people's lives. Because if we're here, if we're still living, if we're still breathing, it's because you have a purpose 
for us. There's a reason why we're here. We're not just floating through life. We, we were born and we have a day of death and in between, you've called us, God, to follow you and to have a relationship with the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know people are fearful, people are dying uh, if they don't take the vaccine and people are, some people are dying when they take the vaccine. I mean, what are we supposed to do? There is no answers to any of that except to keep our eyes on you and to put our faith and trust in you. And God, I pray again, if there's anyone here today, if there's anyone here today who's lost, if there's anyone here today who's not prepared for that appointed day, God, help them to come, not to run out of here, but just come down and go through these doors. And Lord, to surrender their heart and their life to you, knowing that with your rod and with your staff, that you're there to provide and to care and watch over us all the days of our life until that moment we leave this valley. God bless this church, bring us back safely next week. I pray God that we're better off and better people of faith than when we came in here. Make continue to work through us and continue to bless this church and the people who come, we ask, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you, and thank you for coming today.